Let's just jump right in. You know, one of the things that I asked Paul about is, um, you know, he's not tied to the Chicago Teachers Union the way you are. So is he going to be able to really work with them effectively? The opposite side of that coin is that you are not very connected to the police union. Recently, the uh, head of the Fraternal Order of Police, John Catanzara, said that as he thought as many as 800 officers would resign if you were elected mayor. Um, how are you going to build some connections with the police officers to get things done and get your programs enacted when you're mayor? Well, you know, first of all, we, we are connected. We are residents of the city of Chicago. And the divisive nature of the head of the FOP is, is not something that I believe that rank-and-file officers, no more than rank-and-file um, teachers, um, would accept. You know, the fact that he said that there would be blood in the streets if, if I were elected is, is actually reprehensible, quite frankly. And so the connection that I have to rank-and-file officers is that they're raising families in the city of Chicago, much like I'm raising a family. And we're going to talk to one another. We're going to build consensus by having a, a clear understanding about how, how do we collectively have a better, stronger state for Chicago. And what I've heard repeatedly from rank and file members is that they're being asked to do their job and someone else's. They're showing up to 911 calls um, that are mental health crises. They're showing up to 911 calls that are um, drug overdoses, right? And and that's 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 putting everyone in a bad position. Um, and so I'm going to continue to do what I've done as a teacher, as an organizer, as a Cook County Commissioner. We're going to have real conversations and we're going to come together collectively to solve the pervasive problems that we're all experiencing right now. And we want a better, stronger, safer Chicago. And I believe everybody wants that. And how we get there is by bringing people together. And that's what I've done as a teacher. It's what I've done as an organizer. It's how I've led as a Cook County Commissioner. And it's, it's what I will do as mayor of the city of Chicago. CBS2 Chicago just this morning and other outlets have picked this up. Um, um, they have a story that... You have unpaid water bills and on utility bills to the tune of thousands of dollars with the city of Chicago. Um, talk to us about that. Yeah, it's it's not thousands of dollars. We, my wife and I, were on a payment plan, like many families, um, to pay our water bill down, and um, we, you know, tighten up our belts today, and we we took care of it. It was three thousand dollars that's paid for. Um, but as you know, Joan, there are $421 million of unpaid water bills across this city um, because the, the way uh, budgeting has been done in the city of Chicago where utility bills um, are higher because of hikes and fees and fines, you know, and again, like many families, we, you know, had to take out a loan to get our education. Um, we needed two government programs to help us um, come up with a down payment to become homeowners. You know, we don't we don't come from from wealth, right? We're we're part of the working class, and you know, again, I'm, I'm grateful to all of the support and love that people have um, surrounded me and my family by uh, with. And um, as I said, uh, the the payment plan that we were on, we you know made a decision to just figure out how to tighten up our belts, like many families do, and. We took care of the three thousand dollars of water bill of the water bill, and it's paid for. It's done. 
So you were you owed this money, but you were on a payment plan and yeah, paying the money down. We were, we were paying it down, right? I mean, that's again, this is not something that's unusual. I mean, unfortunately, there are a lot of families who are not able to come up with a payment mm-hmm. plan. We were on a payment plan, um, and we were paying it down, and that was our commitment. And just to stop it from being a distraction, um, we just tightened up our belts and we figured it out and we paid it off. One of the other um, areas of your program that you want to bring to the city of Chicago that still is getting attention is your idea of whether or not a head tax should come back. And this would be large businesses in downtown Chicago. It wouldn't be everybody. It wouldn't be small businesses. Um, but still, the business community um, is really up in arms. As a matter of fact, uh, Lady B has a soundbite uh, from a press conference. The Illinois Hispanic Chamber of Commerce has come out and endorsed Paul Vallis. But this, they had a criticism of you. I want to share that with you now. Lady B, play that. Paul Vallis's opponent backs a number of new and expanded taxes on businesses and middle class workers. One of the most egregious being his proposal to bring back a $4 a month per employee head tax for businesses doing at least 50% of their work in Chicago. Now is not the time to raise taxes on businesses that are still recovering from pandemic losses. Anti-business taxes like this are not the solution. The revenue that they generate doesn't offset the job killing effects and only reinforces the notion that Chicago is hostile to businesses. I know this is something you're hearing over and over and over again. So um, give us your answer here this four days before the election. Well, you know, look, you know, the Hispanic community in particular has been hit by property taxes and it's causing many families to, to not to be able to afford to live in the very communities, communities um, in which, um, you know, they raised their families in. You know, Paul Vallis said four years ago that he was going to raise property taxes, $250 million. He came in ninth place, so he decided to hide that. He has three sentences on his website. The fact of the matter is we have a $2.5 billion property tax bill because of Paul Vallis. He took when, when you and I spoke a while back, um, I asked you about the head tax, because I think a lot of people were expecting that it was going to be something that you might back away from. But when we had that conversation a few weeks ago, you did not back down. And indeed, you said that you felt that the fears that this would drive business away were unfounded. So I guess I'm just uh, sort of checking in to see if you are still uh, set on this particular tax. We have structural deficit that was caused by Paul Vallis. We have to have efficiencies, and I find them, in our budget, while also generating revenue to pay down the structural deficit that he caused. The reason why businesses are struggling in the city of Chicago is because of public safety. That's the the number one driver. And so we have a full comprehensive plan to do that. Look, here's the bottom line. We have to get rid of the structural deficit that Paul Vallis caused. Everywhere he has gone, he has ruined economies. He cannot be trusted. He has failed over and over again. And and people like Paul Vallis get to fail up. And we all know someone like Paul, someone who rolls their eyes at the rest of us. They believe they know everything, but as soon as when, as soon as when things get difficult, they run away or they get fired. What my budget plan does, and not only eliminates the structural deficit, we do it without raising property taxes. That's what's driving people out. I mean, when you look at Pilsen and Little Village, ask anyone who lives in Pilsen and Little Village right now, 
how they feel about property taxes. Paul Dallas is going to raise property taxes. He's already said it. He's going to do it. And what I've said before is that our values um, have to be front and center here. Now, if there's a particular tax that people are struggling with to generate the revenue, then look, we sit down and have a conversation, but we're not going to, you know. So you're not married to any particular tax on anything. You're willing to reconsider your program. Here's what I'm clear about is that the structural deficit that continues to weigh our economy down, that's the problem. We're paying interest and fees because of this structural deficit. That's what's killing our economy. Property tax is the lazy form of governance that has been used over and over again. It's not sustainable. Making sure that we look at a financial transaction tax. We're talking about 0.002%, one of one hundredth of a penny to make sure that we have reliable transportation, to make sure that we are funding all of our measures to keep us safe. Look, you can't run an economy off of bake sales. It's disingenuous for someone like Paul Vallis, who is supported by 21 Trump donors. This is someone who's just been indicted, in which Paul Vallis has said during the impeachment trials that this was a witch hunt, a witch hunt. You know, the, the, the fact of the matter. Who are you talking about? Who's just been indicted? I'm. I got a little lost there. Oh, I'm sorry. That's President Trump, right? And he refer, he referred to the impeachment as a witch hunt. Here's the bottom line: seventy percent of major corporations did not pay a corporate tax. Seventy percent. Ask how many homeowners if they were able to be exempted from paying property taxes. Like, whose side are we really on? Are we on the people's side? Are we? I am because I'm a part of the, of the people. I have the lived experience in the city of Chicago where you're suffering every single day, where families are suffering every single day to make the ends meet. And so our budget plan, which I'm the only one who has one, Paul Vallis has three sentences. Three sentences. We're talking about a multi-billion dollar economy. He's got three sentences. And so um, You touched like, briefly there on, on supporters. That's um, I know your time is limited, so I'm trying to get all these questions in. Um, the common wisdom is that uh, Paul Vallis's supporters skew older, your supporters skew younger. Now, that could be a problem when it comes to turnout, because as I saw on February 28th, sometimes the younger demographic just simply doesn't go to the polls what are you what is your campaign doing to try to turn that youth support into actual votes? You know, look, how are you getting them to the polls? <laughs> yeah, we have a multicultural, multi-generational movement that has captured the imagination of people all over the city of Chicago, Joan. You remember when I announced I was polling at two point three percent. Right. And here we are in a position where. You know, someone who comes from the working class is in a position to to leave the city. I mean, we keep talking about, you know, voter excitement. I mean, there were four, almost 5,000 people last night in in an auditorium. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we, we clearly see there's a great deal of excitement around this city. And it's multicultural. It's multigenerational. I mean, you know, people are going to vote our values. And, you know, it's going to take all of us, you know, it's really going to take all of us to build the type of city that works for everyone. And that's, that's why people are excited about my candidacy. 
We have knocked on hundreds of thousands of doors. We have made hundreds of thousands of phone calls. I mean, we have thousands of individual donors all over the city, all over the country. I mean, when was the last time you've seen this type of excitement for someone who was teaching middle school 15 years ago, right? For someone who's been an organizer in this city for the last 10 years, who's been elected twice to manage multi-billion dollar budgets. And my wife and I, we're raising our three children on the west side of Chicago in Austin. We love it. It's one of the more difficult neighborhoods because it's been disinvested in. People are fired up and ready to get to the polls. They are. That's why I'm in this position today. If people weren't excited, I wouldn't be in this position. And I'm grateful and very humbled by it because people are surrounding our movement because they know that I'm going to invest in the city of Chicago. Whether you're a small business owner, whether you're a large corporation, whether you're a child care worker or a bus aide, that people want a better, stronger Chicago. People are excited about that. And I'm looking forward to becoming the mayor of the city of Chicago and making sure that everyone comes to the fifth floor. I want to ask you a, one more quick question before I let you go. And I don't, I don't have any background on this, but people have been texting in questions that they want me to ask both you and Paul Vallis. And one of our listeners texted in that he had heard that you had said that you wanted to replace Allison Arwadi, who is, of course, uh, the head of the Chicago Department of Public Health. I have no background on that. Is that a true statement? And if so, why? Look, we, people who have a different um, philosophical back, background um, when it comes to public health, if, if, it's, if it's a mismatch there, same thing with public education, same thing with public safety, something with public transportation, same thing for housing, if there's not a match, um, then then it's time for that person to, to figure out what else they want to do. I'm what are your philosophical differences with her or her, what are her philosophical differences with you? I'm going to pass treatment, not trauma and reopen our mental health centers. That's important. That's a public health dynamic. And we have to have someone who is leading up our public health department who believes in treatment, not trauma, mental health responders, that can deal with the 911 calls that, that are mental health crises. A commitment to having mental health centers that are ran by the city of Chicago with good union paying jobs. Right? I mean, that, that is a part of, you know, my makeup. I had an older brother who died from untreated trauma, addicted and unhoused. I mean, doesn't it make sense to make sure that we have people in these positions that are there to serve the interests of the public to make sure that they are actually responding to the interests of the public. That makes sense to most people, I would imagine. And so I'm very much committed to making sure that we have individuals who believe in the public good, particularly when it comes to public health. Brandon, thank you. I know um, you said that you had uh, 20 minutes to spend with us. It has indeed been 20 minutes. I've pushed you uh, up to the length. I know you're getting ready to um, make a, a public appearance. Thank you for joining us. I think that you have such great ideas, and I think you have such a good heart, and I think Chicago is in a very lucky position that there are 
uh, an embarrassment of riches as far as the people who want to be involved in leading this city. Thank you for being here. Joan, it's been my pleasure always. I look forward to coming back. After I'm oh, alive. you will. Don't worry. We're not letting you go. Right. Not anytime soon. All right. All right. That's Bye-bye. It. Bye. Candidate for Mayor Brandon Johnson. We're going to take a break and be back with more right after this.